I want to talk to you this morning, uh, it's really kind of piggybacking on last week's message about uh, do not fall away. This is talking about today also under authority. In Luke chapter 7, we're going to start there, we're going to read uh, the first 11 verses, but I'm going to kind of have it broken up as I work my way through that. But I want to, want to talk to us this morning about being under authority. In Luke 7, it starts out, it says, Now when he concluded all his sayings in the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum. Capernaum is where Peter had his house built right across from the uh, synagogue. Uh, Capernaum is where Jesus spent a lot of his time. If, you would, would, if we were to read the previous chapter, we'd find that Jesus had uh, gone up to the mount the previous day and spent the entire night praying. And he then comes out of prayer, and he goes there at the mount, and he gives what we call the Sermon on the Mount. After he had spent the entire night praying, he preaches the Sermon on the Mount, and then he goes into Capernaum. And then he takes off in verse 2, it says, And a certain centurion's servant, who was dear to him, was sick and ready to die. So when he heard about Jesus, he sent elders of the Jews to him, pleading with him to come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they begged him earnestly, saying that the one for whom he should do this was deserving. For he loves our nation and has built us a synagogue. Now see, they had to kind of go in and explain this, because this guy was a was a centurion, which means he was a Roman, which means he was not a Jew, which means he was not under the covenant of God. But he was a proselyte, and I'll explain that here in a moment. But he was one who did love God, even though he was a Roman, and he had done great service, he had done many good things, and he had even spent much of his own money to build a synagogue. So, it's interesting to me here how they were saying how that, so when he heard about Jesus, he sent elders and they pleaded with him. Let's read verse 4 and 5 again. And when they came to Jesus, they begged him earnestly, saying that the one for whom he should do this was deserving, for he loves our nation and has built us a synagogue. And you know, it's no different today. He kind of was wanting to, the people were kind of wanting to let them know how good this guy was. And it's really no different today. It's been the same for generations, in fact. People think the Lord should grant their wishes because of their goodness or because of their merit, because of the good things they have done. We still have the same thing going on today. And how many times might that be in your thinking whenever you're asking of the Lord? Well, Lord, I have done this and I have done that. However, it's really nothing to do with what we have done here on earth as far as grace is concerned, is it? Grace is unmerited favor. Praise the Lord. Everything that He has done rather than what we have done. So we learn this really at a, at a young age. And I want to make sure that we understand, I think most of us do, but make sure we understand that our merit has nothing to do with it. We want to have good merit with the Lord, but we do that because we're saved. Praise the Lord. You know, we learn all of this at a, at a very young age. You know, you can have uh, two kids, uh, whether they're your kids or your grandkids, and they'll work for your favor. 
won't they? Have you ever noticed that? I've noticed that in my grandkids. They seem to kind of work the process <laughs> in trying to get Papaw's favor. Because I've always told him, I said, you always know that there's benefits when you're with Papaw. <laughs> We're going to get ice cream or they're going to get an outfit or they're going to get something. Might, they might get a hard time. <laughs> but but there's, that's right. There's always benefits with Grandpa, Papaw. But... You know, we really begin to learn those things at an early age. That we need to have merit so that we can have favor. But don't you know you have favor already? You are favored because you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Because of God's marvelous grace, receiving from heaven has everything to do with authority, as we're later going to see. Now, I, I don't want to take anything away from this centurion. You know, he, he loved uh, the nation of Israel. He loved God. Uh, he spent a lot of his own money building the synagogue, as I had mentioned before. Uh, he was considered a proselyte. A proselyte is one who converts from one way of thinking and living to a different way of thinking and living. So the centurion is a Roman who is sympathetic to the Jews and believes in their way. So he's a, what's called a proselyte. Now, the Jews had two different categories for proselytes. One is they had pro the, what was called the proselyte of the gate. And the other one was called a proselyte of righteousness. The proselyte of the gate is who this Roman centurion is. They were those who believed in the Jewish Yahweh God, but they did not adhere entirely to their laws and regulations, therefore considered uh, by the Jews to believe but they remained at the gate rather than coming all the way in. Does that make sense? So that was a proselyte of the gate. A proselyte of righteousness was one who adhered to all of the Jewish law. Circumcision and all of the, the washings and the, and the sacrificing of the animals where they just jumped in uh, 100%. So you had two kind of proselytes. This proselyte was one who believed in all the things of God, but he didn't practice all of their uh, rituals. So then we take off here in verse 6 and it says this, Then Jesus went with them, and when he was already not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to him, saying to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof. Now do you notice the difference that the centurion, uh, the evaluation that he has of himself rather than what the evaluation from the people was. The people were saying, this guy's fantastic, he's incredible, you need to heal his servant because he has done great and marvelous things. And then the, the centurion himself turns around and says, I'm not even worthy for you to come to my house. Here's what I get of that. The less faith we have, the less we esteem Jesus. And the more faith we have, the less we esteem ourselves. Amen? The less, we, the less faith we have, the less we will esteem Jesus. But the more faith we have, the less we will esteem ourselves. Amen? And this centurion had things right. Then verse 8, it says this, For I also am a man placed under authority. Do you, read, do you hear that? For I also 
am a man placed under authority. Having soldiers under me. In other words, I'm under authority, but I also am authority over some others. And I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at, at him and turned around and said to the crowd that followed him, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. What's he saying here? I have not even found this much faith in those people who are under the covenant, those who have the right to come to me, those who can come boldly to the throne of grace and ask of me anything that they want, they are children of, of the Most High. This guy has more faith than what I've seen even of those who are in covenant with me. So what he's saying to us through this is, hey, I don't care who you are, it doesn't matter what your background is, it doesn't matter where you've come from, it doesn't matter what you've done, it has nothing to do with how good you are, and it has nothing to do with how bad you are. You have received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You now can come boldly to the throne of grace and ask of me, that's the kind of faith I'm looking for. That's what he's saying. Now people, will you begin to do that? He's wanting to bring us in and say, hey, you are mine. I've purchased you with a price. It wasn't cheap. It took everything of me to purchase you. You are not your own. Now come boldly to the throne of grace. Here we have a centurion soldier of any person who could have said, well, I can't be bold with my faith. I mean, I can't let people... I mean, after all, I'm a Roman centurion soldier I oversee a hundred and what they, what are they going to see it was the Roman Empire that was suppressing the Christians and here he is he's supporting the Christians he's believing in the Christians and he could have very well have said I can't stand up for my faith I can't let it be known that I'm a believer Charles Spurgeon says this concerning us because of the centurion I have the quote there, Gail, it says, Let no man think that because of his position in society, he cannot excel in virtue. Amen? It is not the place which is to be blamed, but the man. If thy heart be right, the situation may be difficult, but the difficulty is to be overcome. Aye, he must be a pirate. And out of that difficulty shall arise an, excellent, an excellence which thou hadst not otherwise known. Amen. Hey, it doesn't matter where you're at. It doesn't matter what your position is. You may be the boss at your place of work. You may be the one everybody looks up to. But you need to be bold in your stance for Christ. Well, we're not supposed to talk about God there. It doesn't make any difference. God will take care of that problem. He'll take care of that situation. You stand up for Christ and you'll see Christ do some great things in your life. Hallelujah. Why is that? Because you're under His authority. And He'll take care of you. He'll make sure that things will go right. Hallelujah. Verse 7, once again, Therefore I do not even think myself worthy to come to you, but say the word, and my servant will be healed. Verse 8, For I also am a man placed under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to one, go. And he goes. We've read through all that. And then in verse 8, I'm going to go back to that because this is such a powerful and interesting verse here. He says, For I also am a man placed under authority, having soldiers under me. Have you ever noticed that before? 
I had not really noticed that the centurion soldier had said, For I also am a man placed under authority. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, Jesus, I recognize the fact that you are under authority. And because of your willingness to submit yourself to authority, you have been able to do great and mighty things. You have been able to do tremendous miracles because even Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, is under authority. And because He wholeheartedly submits to that authority, He has done some great and mighty miracles. And because of that, because you are under that authority, the centurion soldier is looking at Jesus and he's saying, because I recognize that, because I understand authority, and I understand about being under authority, because of that, you can just speak the word and it's going to be done. That's how much faith this guy had. Now here's where the challenge comes for me. And it should be the challenge for you. I'm tremendously challenged Am I truly, 100% of the time, every day of the year, every moment of every day, am I truly under authority? And I have to, I have to say no, I'm not. Because there's times where I want to do something and the Holy Spirit doesn't want me to. There's times whenever I want to Maybe let's just use an example of purchasing something. I want to purchase something and I don't even ask the Holy Spirit whether I should purchase it or not. Do you know that's living to yourself? That's not living under authority. You're not asking of the Father. And whenever I am doing my own thing, whenever I am not full-fledged in and asking of Him what I should do, whenever I am not totally immersed in His will, then I am not under authority at that moment and how can I expect for Him to come through and do great and mighty things in my life? Because I'm basically saying I am disregarding what you have to say in this situation. And when I do that, I put Him on the shelf and how can I expect Him to move on my behalf? And I look at my life. I look back on some situations. I look at things that's taken place here and some things that I so wish had turned out differently. And I think, Lord, there were moments where I was not living totally under Your authority. I was living to myself. And I had to repent of that. And I want us all to be a people who are repenting of walking in our own way walking in our own self stuff there's no power in that is there the centurion recognizes the power came from Jesus being submitted into authority here's some verses that or a verse that claims that John 12:49 says this for I have not spoken on my own authority this is Jesus speaking I've not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me gave me a command, what I should say and what I should speak. John 14.10 says almost the exact same thing. Hebrews 5.8 says, 
Though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. Jesus had to learn obedience. How can that be? He's the son of God. He learned obedience by his suffering. He learned it. How did he learn it? Because he was under authority. Philippians 2.8 says, Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death. Even the death of the cross. He became obedient. He willingly submitted himself to the authority that's over him. Are you willingly submitting to the authorities over you? Well, you don't know my boss. Doesn't make any difference. Submit to the authorities over you. Well, I don't like this president. Doesn't make any difference. That doesn't mean we have to agree with everything. Doesn't mean we have to like everything. But we have to submit. I'm not saying we submit to sin. That we submit to wrong. uh, uh, Somebody's being abused. I'm not talking about all that kind of thing. I'm talking about submitting where we should be submitting. And then we're going to see power in our lives. Kids need to learn obedience. Amen? Adults need to learn obedience. Submitting to the authorities that are over us. Jesus was under authority and He had authority. We need to understand authority. You know, I can be at someone's house and their little five-year-old child can be screaming and just throwing a tantrum and just carrying on and be uh, spitting at his mother and calling her names. And you know, if I'm at their house, there's not a whole lot I can do about that. Is there? Man, I'd like to take that kid by the neck (laughs) and put him over my knee is what I'd like to do. But I can't do it. We, we can't do that in that situation. Why? Because we don't have authority in that situation. But if that five-year-old comes over to my house and I'm babysitting that little five-year-old, mom and dad's not around, he tries that with me, uh-uh. We don't act like that in my house. And I've got the authority in my house, don't I? We have to know when we have authority and when we don't. You know, it's a, it's a wonderful balance when people know when you are in authority and when you are not in authority. When you have the grace upon you to be the leader and when you don't have the grace to be a leader. You know, it's not a, a good idea for a woman who's a boss at work to come home and still be the boss of her husband at home. It's not a good idea. It's just not going to work too good. It's also not a good idea for that one who's a boss at work to come home and have to be married to someone who needs to be bossed. It's not, it's not going to work too good. You know, we need to think about some of those things. We need to think about authority when we get married. Amen? It's just not a good idea. You know, foremans and bosses and business owners, they all need to to know how to shut it off when they come home. When is authority right and when is authority not right? You know, it's it's awesome. It's great to see uh, an awesome teacher who knows when to teach and who knows when a situation is just to be a fun time. You know, sometimes a teacher can just get into teaching mode and every situation is, is a teaching time. Hey, sometimes just lay it down and let's just have fun. Amen? 
But there's other times where it's a good teaching time. We need to know when to have that authority, when to exercise it, and when to not. And when I have the biggest struggle, it's with the Lord. Is whenever I understand I have not submitted myself to the authority of God. Romans 8.14 says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Hallelujah. I'm a son of the Most High God. I don't have the luxury to sin as if I belonged not to another. Amen? I've received Jesus Christ as my Savior and as my Lord. I love Him more than the things of this world. I love Him more than the pleasures of sin. I do not belong to myself. I've been purchased with a price and it costs Jesus Christ everything. I have been given authority, Matthew 28. But most importantly, as the centurion says, I also am a man under authority. This connects back to last week, whenever we were talking about our conscience. Our conscience has everything to do with us being led by the Spirit. The conscience is part of your spirit. We need to be led by the Spirit and be submitted to the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. And every time that the Holy Spirit tries to lead us in a certain direction, and we override that, then as we talked about last week, that part of the leading of the Spirit, that part of you on the inside becomes seared as if with a hot iron. And you become insensitive to that. You become to the place where you no longer are able to be moved in that area because you've become insensitive. Psalm 91, 1 and 2, I love these two verses here. It says this, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Under divine, that's under divine protection i will say of the lord he is my refuge and my fortress my god in him will i trust praise the lord you know there's protection whenever we're obedient hallelujah i think it's interesting to note that adam and eve lived in divine protection and they lived in divine provision it was it was glorious it was exceedingly good hallelujah the moment they sinned and came out from under the divine protection, they came out from under God's divine authority. They tried to cover themselves. God had them covered, but when they came out from under that, they tried covering themselves. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. That's where we need to live each and every day. I am submitted to the authority of God. I am under your protection. I am under the shadow of the Almighty. And whenever we are obedient that way, we will see provision, we will see power, and we will see prosperity. We will see, we will see protection. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Uh, I have a lot more here I could go through, but I'm going to stop with this, this uh, phrase right here. This is a Lisa Bevere quote. It says this, There is freedom in submission. There is bondage in disobedience. There is freedom in submission. There is bondage in disobedience. Do you know John and Lisa Bevere? This is her quote. Freedom in submission. Sometimes we think submission is, is a bad word. It's not a bad word. I want to be submitted to the authority 
of Jesus Christ. And I think we'll see more power. We'll see more prayers answered whenever we are submitted to his authority. But there's bondage and disobedience. Hey, it may be fun for a moment, but it's not going to be fun forever. Because the wages of sin is death. Amen? Amen. So I also, we all all ought to say what the Scripture says. I also am a man or a woman placed under authority.